We are born free. And we will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Finding Freedom here on the Lions of Liberty Podcast Network. And this week, I have a great guest for you, and we're going to really get into uh, you know talking about like I have in the past many times, um, bringing on people who have overcome adversity in their own life to build something great for themselves, um, building businesses and also helping others. So really looking forward to introducing you to my guest in just one moment here. Before I do that, I do want to remind people that we do have a Lions of Liberty Pride um, where we have bonus content and a bunch of other stuff. So if you're not a member, please consider joining and supporting us. Um, just go to patreon.com slash lions of liberty or locals or lions of liberty.locals.com. One of these times I will remember the actual URLs every time, but let's get into uh, introducing my guest here. My guest today is Eric Flynn and uh, Eric and I are friends on Facebook and we just started chatting the one day and uh, he was talking about his background a little bit and we'll, we'll talk through everything um, during the show, but just to give a little brief overview, um, seven years ago, Eric was in a detox center, um, you know, homeless shelter in Texas, really didn't have skills. And since that time, he's gone from, from that to owning and operating a roofing company. He also wholesales real, real estate. He also teaches people in sober houses how to sell roofs and manage projects. And he has a company called Stronghold Restoration and Roofing. Eric, welcome to Finding Freedom. Hey, thanks, John. Well, thanks for coming on the show. And, you know, I it's it's kind of it's just amazing to me reading through that, you know, the past seven years. And seven years is, is not that long ago. I mean, Seven years is, is is pretty fast. Um, when, when you think back, you know, right now to seven years ago, where you were, and you see yourself today. Um, first of all, like, how, how does that make you feel? It, you know, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of like just feeling bad for myself and shame and guilt and all this stuff, like for the previous like 13 years of my life um, mm-hmm. that I don't even really remember that much. I don't remember it like day to day. Like I do the last seven years. It's like a different life, honestly. Um, mm. You know, I, it, it was just, uh, so, I mean, like when I look back, like I, every day, honestly, I write a gratitude list of all these things that God put in my life. Um, you know, because I, you know, made a decision to, to change some things and, you know, decide to, you know, not hurt people and not hurt myself every day, you know? Right. Yeah. So let, let's go back to, uh, to seven years ago. I mean, back to that, um, low point. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it was your lowest point, but, uh, 
when you think back to that point in time, can you just kind of take take us through? You know, what what were you struggling with from an addiction, you know, from an addiction standpoint, and um, how did you end up in that in that homeless shelter um, in a detox center? Right. So since I was, uh, so I'm 36 years old right now, and And the whole um, opioid crisis thing, I grew up in upstate New York and it, you know, it just like ravaged this little town that I lived in. Um, more of the people that were in my age group died before we were 21 than didn't um, just from wow. overdosing on pills and stuff. So I grew up in that. Uh, I was there till I was in my mid twenties and I moved to Texas when I was like 26 and I was still doing, you know, I was, my whole life was wrapped up in the fact that I was addicted to these pills, that I needed to drink alcohol every day. Um, it's just all I cared about. I mean, I still tried to have her life. Like I would go to the bars and play music with people and, you know, try to date people and all this stuff. But it was all about that. And uh, I got to Texas and honestly, they have, uh, they have meth in Texas. And that just, I couldn't handle I couldn't like keep getting jobs and losing them and getting new jobs because it just messed me up like way too bad. So even though I had family down here and I had people who cared about me, um, I ended up just kind of wandering around trying to sleep on people's couches once in a while. Um, you know, I was, I was homeless here. You know what I mean, for uh, a mm -hmm. couple months and my brother and my father had, uh, had been members of a recovery program and they you know, they said, basically, don't call them unless you're willing to go give this this thing a shot. And there's this great place out here in uh, in Deer Park, Texas, called The Wheelhouse. And it's a free men's detox center. And basically, it's completely funded on donations. And um, anybody can go there. Uh, any any man can go there. And they, they teach you how to work through the steps uh, of recovery. And they get people who have been in the same situation as you are and are now, you know, free of it. And they um, and they help you get through it. They let you stay there. You eat there. You sleep there. Um, and basically all you do is it's kind of like a boot camp thing for like for like AA, if that makes sense, actually. Mm -hmm. And it's very strict. You know, a lot of the like the problems with like living the way I was is. I had no discipline whatsoever, you know? Um, and when you have zero discipline, you just, you don't have like, you're not free at all. You're just a complete slave to your desires, to the trouble you've caused yourself, you know? It, it, um, and they, it's just very strict there. And they, they opened my eyes a little bit to, you know, kind of what, what I could actually do. Cause I mean, I had given up years before, you know, uh, it's, I'm not, I'm not even a depressed person or anything. I just, I had just gotten to, to where I just didn't care. Cause I didn't think there was any way out of all of that, you know, at that point. So I was introduced to those people and, you know, uh, I got into a good group of people down here in, um, in Houston and, you know, it's, it's really an incredible, uh, group of recovery in this area that we have. Um, there's what, thousands. I was just going to ask you, what was it? Um, 
that made you make the decision to go to that um, detox center? It, it was literally just that I didn't have another uh, another move. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I obviously didn't tell about, like in the little brief period of yeah, what yeah. my health was. It, what I would normally do is I'd run out of options in a town, uh, in a, in a city. I would get a hold of an old friend somewhere, make up some excuse, you know, make make it sound like I'm doing well. I'm gonna come out there. I'm gonna see him, and then I would just live out there. You know, uh, I would just I would escape my problems that way. And it came down to go to Colorado and leech off of one of you know, my good friends from when we were kids or like go take care of my problem. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's really what, you know, I mean, I, I was raised in like a good family. I mean, we didn't have a lot of money or anything, but I I was not raised in a way where living on the streets is acceptable. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, it was, it was shocking to me, you know, how accepted, like how resigned a lot of the people that I was running into were to, to live in like this, you know, I mean, even to this day, I still go and talk and stop and um, get them cigarettes and just talk to them for as long as they'll talk to me, these guys trying to see if they're, if it's somebody like me that I can, Hey man, let's, let's get you going. You know what I mean? If it's somebody that you you can reach. Yeah. Yeah. How did you get from, and, and maybe this is maybe it's too long a story for for one question or, or too long a to load everything into one question, but I'll ask you anyway. Um, I'm just curious to get you know th- that journey from getting sober, which I realize is a constant you know, everyday thing. I mean, you're, you're always you're always dealing with that, but um, to getting to owning your own roofing company, uh, can, can you take us through how how that came about? Yeah, sure. Um, so once I got into the program here uh, and started meeting other people, it was pretty obvious that uh, you know everybody just kind of went and worked in the plants, or people went and did this thing called selling roofs. And I was like, "What? What is that?" You know what I mean? Like, I didn't understand. I didn't really know what they were doing. Um, so one of the guys hired me. Cause I had been in, I mean, I did door to door sales up in, up in New York. Um, I've done it all over the place. And so I was, de- I was decent at it before I started doing this, but it's a little different. I mean, basically what we're doing is they hired me to be a, a claim specialist. I go to the, I go to all these houses in uh, along the Gulf coast here and everybody's got a wind and hail policy for their insurance. Everybody, a lot of people have old roofs. And what we're trying to do is just get the insurance company through that clause on the policy to cover a new roof for these people. Mm-hmm. Um, we worked for one company for a little less than a year. And then uh, me and um, guy Patrick that I work with now, we went off and started doing stronghold um, the spring before Harvey hit. So when Harvey hit, we, we kind of got a bunch of work and, because I've always been plugged in with these people in these there, there's a lot of rehabs and sober houses and um, things like that. It, as far as in the recovery scene around here, uh, you know, I'll, I'll meet people who are coming out of situations like that, who have never had a job where they, you know, mm-hmm. made any real money, had any real purpose, had, you know, just, it was just kind of like a, um, you know, hitting the clock kind of jobs. I would show, you know, I've been showing them how to do this. Uh, it's been since 2017 since we've been doing that. And 
you know, a lot of the guys <clears throat> that we've hired have uh, like gone on to start other roofing companies and stuff. Um, but I really get a lot out of um, just seeing people that I'm friends with <clears throat> and guys that came from, you know, same situation as me or similar, uh, being able to buy homes, get married, have kids, um, and just, you know, live comfortably. Like it isn't about getting rich. I mean, it's really just, uh, not being broke. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and like once, once I wasn't broke, then I was able to like start reading again and, you know, uh, start doing things that things that actually like matter to me. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm work we're going to be that thing to me uh i'm just not i know some people are but um i kind of use all that stuff as just kind of an ends to a, a means to an end and <clears throat> it taught me a lot of discipline it taught me how to deal with people um it taught me how to speak in front of people i have to do it every tuesday for the last seven years in a room full of guys who don't want to hear what i have to say or they're not paying attention really i mean they want to hear what i have to say but uh and you know, it's it's taught me how to, um, you know, deal with a lot of stuff that I, I never would have been able to uh, to handle before. You know, um, and it. I also noticed that it seems like it's stressful for a lot of people to, um, you know, to have like the the kind of unknowns and ups and downs of of a job where everybody's out selling trying to make everything you know sales type environments and mm -hmm. uh it doesn't bother me at all and um you know it doesn't it it's something that i can handle the stress of a lot and and build a big team so i kind of feel like god wants me to teach people how to do this because of that um so. that's awesome yeah I, I don't know if you uh if you've heard of Johan Hari, um, I had him on Felony Friday way back in the day to talk about his book, Chasing the Scream, where he talks about the drug war and talks about addiction a lot. And he really went around the country and interviewed people, inter interviewed addicts uh, struggling with addiction. And the one of his takeaways was that, you know, one of the, the commonalities between people who are in the throes of addiction is that they don't have any sort of like hope they don't have a you know a, something that's progressing in their life you know something that they can can build upon um and you know just just i mean that just made me think of what you were talking about there is you know giving people they have that job they're able to buy that house they're able to start that family and start to put those building blocks together so that's i mean that, that's cool and i mean it's that is like when you when you told me like in a couple of paragraphs when we're having that that conversation on facebook i'm like this is this is what we we need, man. Right? I mean, that's why I love having uh, people on like yourself to share a story like this. Because so often, you know, we're talking about politics, we're talking about things that you know really they really don't matter in the grand scheme of things. It doesn't matter really who the president is. It's it's not going to really impact our day to day life. For, for the most part, it's not. But I mean, with things like this where you can impact people in your community and help them to really restart their life. I mean, which is just, just incredible to be, to be able to do that for, for someone as, as you've been able to, to do for yourself too. So, um, I didn't have a question there. Just kind of, it's kind of a statement, but I did want to ask you, uh, as we, as we were talking, um, pre-show about, 
you were saying that, you know, you, you speaking with, with other people um, who are in AA saying they wish that this is something that everyone would do. Um, I'm assuming you're referring to the 12 steps and, and that process. So could you right. kind of just explain, um, you know, re- really what, what you mean by that and some of the takeaways that really apply to, to life and, and living a better life? Yeah. I mean, so the basic process of it is um, having a problem so big that I have to surrender to something that's outside of myself that I can't control. That's going to guide me um, to, to get over whatever it is that my problem is. Right. Mm -hmm. And the humility, like the humility in being able to do that um, allows, uh, then you go through and you, you clean things up, which is writing an inventory about, um, about what, what I've done to the world, like to the people around me, how have I, acted in a way that put myself in a position to be as hurt and as messed up as, a, as my life has been, you know? Um, because what will happen is when I start writing out all these things about things that have upset me and hurt me in my life, I realize that it all comes back to an action that I took that set this thing in motion. Uh, so then sharing that with another person, becoming accountable with another person. Um, and then going and making these things right. Like there's an amends process. It, the amends process isn't going and saying that you're sorry to people. Um, that's actually like explicitly not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to let somebody know, "Hey, Hey, these are the things that I did wrong. These are the things that, um, I'm doing now so that this isn't going to happen again. And what can I do to make this problem? Right. Um, because they know that you're sorry. Sorry doesn't really mean anything to your mother who's lost sleep for 15 years because you're a dope fiend, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But it, but going in, you know, showing people, hey, these, these things are different in my life. These things are different in my actions. Uh, it, <clears throat> that makes a big deal. So then the process is, that's basically cleaning up um, the stuff that was blocking me from, you know, whether it's the universe, whether it's God, you know, I mean, everybody's got a thing, you know, whether it's just the vibes of the the situation that you, you know, trying to connect to all that stuff that was on me, it was blocking all that stuff. Um, so now I'm over here and I'm free to be able to like be, you know, myself, whatever that is. And, you know, it's kind of crazy to figure that out when you're in your thirties, but you know, uh, so some people have to do, um, And then the rest of the process is keeping it clean, praying and meditating each day and, um, and helping other people, you know, Mm -hmm. showing other people how, how to do better. Uh, All of that stuff is going to help, would help just a regular, if, if any person who's never struggled with addiction a day in their life did the inventory process um, from steps four and five, they would get, uh, they would get a, a level of like perspective on maybe long held grudges that they've had um, that, they, that they're just not going to get from sitting there thinking about it in their own mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something like really interesting. I'm, I sounds corny, but it's kind of like magical what happens when I trust another man enough to tell him all these secrets about myself. And then I actually do it, you know, because like, <clears throat> 
the problem people run into with with recovery and myself is I, I would try to over intellectualize it. I'd be like, why why does it work? And then I'd figure out why I thought something worked. So then I'd think to myself, well, since I understand why it works, I don't have to actually do it, you know, because I get it right. I, I get what they're going for, mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't work like that. Uh, there's again, it, it's like all about humility, right? Like whether it's intellectual humility, whether it's you know, um, just emotional humility, you know, whether it's just, uh, relationship, you know, interpersonal relationships and being able to not have to be the biggest, baddest, smartest, most, you know, attractive guy in the room and also not having to be, you know, this little worm that doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like being able to look the world in the eyes is a big part of it, you know? Um, and I guess it's just like, the fact that alcoholics are not, we can't, we can't afford to carry a grudge because we might drink over it. So we're forced to do all these things that give us like this incredible amount of inner peace. Um, whereas, you know, somebody who does, somebody who's not going to die if they have a grudge is, is a lot less likely to do something about it. And it might ruin six months of their life or 20 years of their life. You know what I mean? I've met mm-hmm. some, it's really sad when you meet somebody that's that bitter, you know? And it, it and it's justified a lot of the time, but they're not they don't have any freedom, you know? That's all they think about. And it'd be nice to see people get over that stuff, you know. Yeah, it, it, and I think that's an interesting point that you said at the end. Where, where a grudge maybe may be justified, <laughs> that doesn't mean that it's it's serving the one holding the grudge. It's not it's not serving the person you're holding the grudge against, obviously, but it's also not doesn't serve you. It doesn't help you in any way to, uh, to put no. that grudge. All it's going to do is, is keep you in that same place and keep you from getting out of it to, and, and moving past it to be able to grow. Um, one, one thing about your, uh, what you're doing now that I find really interesting is doing a uh, wholesaling real estate. Can you talk about how you, how you got into that? Right. So, um, it's kind of one of the things that I've started to like dip my toes in over the last few years. Um, and I don't honestly, like I'm, I've done a few deals on it and I got a buddy who's, who really has actually made a career out of it. Um, and I mean, basically all that you're doing is all there's, there's in, in the situation where, uh, what I, what I was doing is, Somebody gets in trouble with, um, they owe a bunch of taxes and the bank's going to take their house and, you know, they, they owe this certain amount of money, right? Well, if that amount of money is only like, it might be something that they could never come up with, but maybe it's only like $25,000 and then they owe, I don't know, 20000 in taxes. Um, okay, well, that house is worth $300,000 if it gets fixed up and there's only 70000 that needs to go into it. Mm-hmm. So all in... I'm, you know, $125,000, $135,000 on something like that. I can help this person out. We can give them money because we can get a lot, you know, make that, um, make that much money off of the deal. So basically it was just me doing that a couple of times. Um, but I've got a friend who's actually turned it into a, a career and he's, you know, he's working with a real estate team and everything. It was the guy that I kind of started doing it with and realized, okay, well, I have like 
this whole other job where I have to like run, you know, this roofing company and I'm not going to get too far, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to get much deeper than that. Cause it's, yeah. I'm, it's not really my specialty, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, but, but I think that's, you out here. I, I think that's really, I mean, and yeah, it might not be a specialty, but you weren't, uh, you know, a lot of people are, are intimidated to try something like that, even if it's only for a couple of deals, you know, um, I, I do something on the side. I buy and sell vacant land, which is really oh. similar. Um, you're, you're buying land either, either at an auction or you're, uh, you know, finding people who are behind on their taxes, who the land has become a burden for them. Right. They're not using it. Maybe they've never even been to it. They might've inherited it. And you're able to, you know, take it off their hands, pay them for it. Different than different than wholesaling in that I actually buy the land with wholesaling. You're just putting under contract, right? And then selling that contract. Yeah, um, basically. But uh, I mean, and, and people might say, well, that that person, and, and I'm buying it at a discount, obviously, because they're not marketing it. You know, they're not going out there and posting it and you know, a bunch of different real estate groups aren't hiring a real estate agent. There's no real estate agent yes. involved. And someone might say, well, they're not getting a full market value. Of, of course they're not. They're not doing any of the things you need to do to get full market value. And they've, they, they don't want to, they want money fast. So it's, it's you're serving a, a market purpose by helping them to get money fast. And then, you know, I make money by, by reselling it, but there's a lot of money to be made in real estate. And in things like, um, like real estate courses, there's a lot of really good stuff like that. In roofing, you get a lot of that in, um, you know, like solar sales, solar sales is a little bit of, you know, uh, it's kind of the wild west right now, um, in Texas to, to bring it back, um, to really your, your journey that you've been over here over, over the past seven years. And, you know, we, we talked about a lot of the things that you've been through. Um, so people might hear this podcast and might think, I, I don't, you know, there's nothing, there's no takeaway here. I haven't been a drug addict. I haven't been in a situation. I, I haven't had these issues, but, um, I would ask you on a, you know, based on w- what you've learned over the past seven years, what are like, what are like two or three things that you think that, you know, somebody who's sitting right now in a, uh, maybe in a corporate job that they hate sitting in a cubicle, um, what what would you tell someone like that on what they need to do or what they should look for on how to get out of that situation? Yeah. Um, that is, you know, unfortunately, like what's going to keep me in a, uh, like, you know, say I worked a corporate job. I have a bunch of bills. I have children. I have, you know, there's, there's, I'm not going anywhere because this needs to get taken care of. I'm, I'm the man I'm, you know, this is my family. Uh, there's going to be so much fear in me to go and try to learn something new. Even if on the other side of that, if I win, I get freedom. You know what I mean? Because it's, we're really just like, we're, it's really beaten into it, especially growing up, like around middle-class, you know, men, my whole life a man has a job and that job is usually like a company that's been in business for 50 years. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. that's what you do. And if you do anything else, it's it. like my father, you know, would mess with me for the first two years I was doing roofing, um, making insane money. And he'd be like, you still doing that roofing scam? 
you know. Uh, <laughs> and it it's just so ingrained. But like, I mean, if you can step, if, if you could just like identify what's going on, and that that fear is. It sounds so cliche because like every sales guru, I feel like is saying this kind of thing, but the fear is what's keeping you um, where you're at. I mean, having a relationship with God is, is something that, that helps with that. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't really worry about whether I'm going to fail at something. um, If I'm trying it, I, you know, I, I know I have strengths. I know I have weaknesses one thing is that there are millions of really smart people out there and we have, you know, the internet. So like I can find somebody who knows the answer to any question I ever come up with, you know? Um, you know, my wife started a jewelry company, uh, which is where I'm like sitting right now. Um, and you know, she's been like so scared the whole time along, you know, thinking like, Oh, well, what if we don't, it's like, yeah, uh, what, what if we don't make money? What if this, what if that? And, you know, she's a talented jeweler and she does it every day. She's passionate about it. And over the last few years, what's happened is the the stuff she's making is incredible. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. She can't keep it when she goes to these meet, you know, with, to these, uh, these shows that they do, you know, people buy it. She always underprices it. You know what I mean? It's things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's like a small example of it, but I mean, yeah, I, I try. I, I mean, I run into a problem where people will come and work for me and they'll be like, I can't do this commission thing. It's too stressful. You know, I want to be somebody who just gets a paycheck for a certain job, you know, and I definitely don't want to uh, disparage people who have that personality, you know, because there's a lot of people who have that personality. No, you're right. Um, you're right. And but it, you know, as far as like feeling like you're limited because you've got addiction problems or, you know, you don't have an education. I don't have any education. I mean, um, I, I, I mean, I read a lot. <laughs> I guess I've educated myself a little bit, but it, it's just about being, it's about being stupid enough to, to go try. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I see a lot of really, really smart people that I know uh, that, that they'll overthink everything. You know, they won't, they won't actually take the step um, toward action, you know? So I would hope that, you know, that people can kind of get out of that, um, that mentality, you know, because I, I pay attention to all the politics stuff, um, not all of it, but a lot of it in like the, you know, with the people who come on your show and the, that kind of group of people. And, you know, it's more like entertainment. I look at it like the NFL, you know, uh, <laughs> with a little higher stakes. Yeah. I just, I really do, man. Like it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah, the economy is getting worse. Mitch work a little harder, but like mm-hmm. when my wife still is there, you know, every day, and my dogs are there, and my family lives around here, and you mm-hmm. know, there's these people. It's just all that is so much more important. Um, that I I'm not gonna let fear kind of get in my way and stop me from uh, from being the best for these people. You know what I mean? And yeah, making sure that I have freedom in my own life to kind of show it to other people. That that's really been a big thing for me is you know anybody who wants to anybody who lives around here who wants to learn what what we do i will be happy to teach them you know um because i want people to have have the the things that i have you know and it's not about monetary things it's about peace of mind you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's about 
it's about freedom. I mean, this is this right. is finding freedom, and I mean, that, and that that truly is. You know, we talk about what should libertarians be doing. What libertarians should be doing is, you know, starting <laughs> businesses, do, doing doing what you're doing, serving others in the community, helping them to you know find work if needed. Um, I think I think that's a big piece of what a libertarian should be. I mean. I look first like that lower like community level, you know, maybe if you want to get involved in politics, you know, run for commissioner or school board or mayor, if your town has a mayor, things like that. But trying to start, you know, swimming in uh, presidential politics or Senate or um, Congress as a, as a libertarian, I think it's just kind of, just, you're just wasting people's time and money to, to a large extent. Um I don't know. Yes. Not to make this a, a political show, but yeah. Well, no. Like, I, I mean, a, a a country full of people with peace in their hearts um, and and meaning in their lives aren't going to fall for any of it. Man. Mm-hmm. Not not for a second. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, they're not going to fall for the fear. They're not going to fall for the division. They're they're just not going to buy it. Um. And so, I mean, if we can you know, get to a spot where, where people have more meaning in their lives. Um, they're, they have something to, they have something to resist whatever it is that's coming a little bit more for, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it means a lot to me. Yeah. I hundred percent agree with you. And I mean, you, you mentioned before, you know, you have faith in God. I, I do as well. Um, I, I, and that's that's a big part of it too, because like you said, you're you're really you're 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 not going to find that that true peace without without having that. And you know, nobody knows what is coming in the next ten, twenty, hundred years, thousand years, whatever. Well, we, we'll be dead by then, but, but it, won't, yeah. it won't matter. <laughs> but um, yeah, th- things things will things will eventually get get worse. And if you don't have that, uh, that faith to fall back on, um, it's, I don't know. I, I personally don't think it's going to be, it's going to be pretty, pretty for those people who don't have that, but no, right. one, one last question for you, Eric, um, looking ahead a, a couple of years, three to five years from now, um, if you want to, you know, have a vision for where you see yourself, where you see your business, where you see your family, what types of uh, what types of things are you are you looking for in the next three to five years? Um. Well, so I've been running for a couple of years, and I need to. I'm going to run three thirty in the Houston Marathon this year on the twenty four. And uh, oh, nice twenty four, and then I'm going to qualify for Boston the next year. That's what's got to happen. Um, that's kind of like the side goal of like you know, but. Uh, how, let's pause there for a minute. How many marathons have you run? Have you run any marathons? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've run three okay, so far. I just started running or racing last November. Um, and just, wow. you know, I fell in love with it and got addicted to it cause I'm an addict, you know? And <laughs> so, yeah. And I noticed you've been doing a lot of stuff on the, uh, you know, the health front too. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I run, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how tall you are. I'm, I'm like six, five. Oh God, um, yeah. So not a lot I don't. Of out there. <laughs> I'm not really built for putting on lots of miles, but I'll run. It's been a while since I've even done this, but I'll run up to like 10 miles. But I don't think I have any marathons in my future. <laughs> yeah, you'd be surprised what you could do, man. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe I will. I should. I should never. Should never say that. Maybe I will. I harassed a couple of buddies into uh, into getting into it. <laughs> So I'm, I'm excited about that. But then, so the goal is to qualify for Boston uh, in a couple of years. I want to have some kids with my wife. My wife's the most amazing person that I've ever met. Um, she's, yeah, I, I, I mean, she's not like any other person in the world. She's just, a, she's so like supportive, creative, loving. Um, and I mean, she's very, she's a consistent person as far as the program that we all work and stuff. And mm-hmm. she's just a, amazing person so i definitely want to have kids with her and uh you know i i want to kind of keep my options open for you know what what i can do the the, my whole thing really is i want to have you know my family taken care of and then i want to try to uh engage with and kind of help my community you know it's it kind of makes me sad that people i don't like know people who live around me anymore it's not like Mm -hmm. it's not like that anymore like it was. And, um, so I, I, I would like to maybe set up some type of, um, community groups or something around here just to, you know, whether it's even related to necessarily, um, a political types of things or just maybe running group, you know what I mean? Something like that. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of a simple guy. You know what I mean? I'm not really trying to go (laughs) do anything nuts. I think I think the world needs more simple people. We we, we as humans we make life way too complicated. <laughs> but thanks for the time today, Eric. I really appreciate it. And thanks for uh, you know being so transparent and uh, and sharing your story. You know at, at your at your lowest point in order to you know really show that you know what can be overcome. So I appreciate that. All right, awesome. Thanks, John. Thanks for coming on the show. All right. Well, that is a wrap for Finding Freedom today. And uh, we'll be back next week with another awesome guest. Uh, With that, that's all I have. So always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning. (laughs) 